Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Digging Deeper. Robert here with Brandon. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Brandon, what a hat you got I going on. I wore it on purpose. I'm doing uh, a little advertising for the new Rise merch. Those things are flying swag. off the shelves, man. They so if you want, summer feel here. If you want a summer Rise City merch hat, then uh, you better come get them quick because yeah. they're moving like hotcakes, as they say. So, <laughs> is that what they say? That's what they say. Okay. That's what they say. Keep a lid on it. Anyway, that was not even funny. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> your message yesterday, I, honest, I told you what I loved about it and what I was encouraged by was the fact that, yeah, it was a sermon and I felt like you were preaching, but more than that, I felt like you were, you were endearing, you're expressing your endearment as a pastor, really, and kind of really naming out a lot of different people, telling a lot of different stories, talking about the things that not only keep you going, but also fill your cup and yeah. bring you joy. Mm -hmm. And it was honestly, it was, it's inspiring to hear what God is doing because when you start to understand that God is moving in people's lives and yeah. people are responding, it starts to make you feel like this is worth it. Yeah. Like this absolutely. is, this is, this is what it's about. I didn't mention your name though. It's okay. I'm gonna give you a chance to. So, um, <laughs> so here's the deal. So, so I know that you had only a certain amount of time, Yeah, but there's probably a lot more stories or people or things, instances that come to mind that sure. you didn't get to share. Would you like to share any of them? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I mean, I like, so Darren and Heather Gassner yeah. come up right away. Like yeah. I, I was thinking about them as I was preaching cause I can hear Darren. He's got such joy. He's a uh, light in his right voice. In front, yeah, yeah. And so he, he is somebody that just is so positive and constantly shares with me just how much Rise City has meant to him. Uh -huh. And and just, I mean, they embraced Christ kind of, kind of in, a, in a full manner. Like they would say previous to coming to Rise years ago, they were kind of like, eh, they dipped their toes in the water, so to speak, but they got like jumped all in. And so yeah. there are a couple that comes to mind a lot. Um, I would have mentioned every one of our elders. Uh, yeah. I am so grateful for John Cumbie, for Ryan Casey, Levi Gundert, Dan Buxton, and Dan Garcia, and just their leadership and the way that they serve and pray for the people here at this church. Um, you know, I was thinking of like even, you know, we have a security team every every week. And uh, I mean, there are so many guys that other people don't see that, that I get to have these private conversations with because they're, you know, kind of trailing me in the hall yeah. or things like that. And and just they're not they're not security guys in that moment. I mean, they are like sources of positive affirmation and like filling my tank. Yeah. And so the men on the security team came to mind. Um, you know, I was thinking Jim Peterson, who's on our staff. Uh, we talk about next gen because it's not just um, it's not just her role in next gen, but just just watching the way that she interacts with with parents in particular. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I could just I could uh, go on and on and you should. And I feel like I feel like it's one of those moments that I could just start name dropping, and then all of a sudden I'll forget somebody or someone's gonna be like, "Why didn't he mention me?" Um, but there are just so many awesome people. And, and it's not even just the people here now. I mean, 10 years worth. I mean, you can think of a lot of people and yes. things you've been through and experienced with them, um, prayers that you've prayed. It, it's, it really is. It fills your cup when you take time to stop and just give thanks and remember what God has done and is doing through the people around you. I mean, gratitude is a fuel that keeps you going in that sure. direction. And, and like you said, it's 10 years. We're coming up on our 10-year birthday, which means that there's 10 years of recognizing that God has been moving, growing something, yeah. doing something, like changing lives. It's yeah. exciting. What are some standout moments? Like, Or actually, what was the first moment 
you know, as you like planted rise and started kind of going through it that you realized, man, this is, this is awesome. Like this is something that God is in. This one, mm. this makes me want, want to keep going and never stop. I mean, it probably is going to come back to Michael and Stephanie Lee, right? When we were doing an ice cream truck and they were the only couple at Shadow Hill Park that day. And, you know, <laughs> we were pulling this ice cream truck up and trying to like just throw these park parties and it was blazing hot um, on that particular uh, summer day. And they were there, I think, playing catch or something with the boys. And they just kind of piqued their interest. And they were very honest and, sh- and shared how they weren't a part of church, really didn't do anything about church. But but they said something like, we like you. You know, let us know what you're, what you're doing. And then I remember them showing up to when we had things at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I remember Michael being right there at the front greeting people on that first day. And, and, and just to now see that, like I said, he's one of the leaders of our men's ministry and Stephanie's on staff with our next gen, like they're always going to be probably that, that first memory. And even that couple that's like, man, this, this is worth it. And, um, and now there are lots of Michael and Stephanie's to be honest, that have been a part of the story of rice city. Absolutely. And it seems like there's more that keep coming all the time. And I'm so grateful that we have a God who is personal in that way that reaches the people not just tries to run an organization or start some kind of movement yeah he, he reaches people's lives and i love that yeah about my savior so you you mentioned all the things that kind of fill your cup but the the kind of underlying comment of that is like man these are the things that keep me going so there may, must be things that make you want to stop that kind of drain you and things like that no. too no, <laughs> no, no never 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 admit to something like that um what are the things that just kind I am of, not name dropping on this one? Don't, no, don't you? Yeah. Don't mention Jean Robert Petroza, mm. Pete Goodman. That's all our sweet. What? All the digging deeper people. No. Yes. Um, I mean, sure. I mean, there's a lot of things that that discourage you. And and you have to like hold in balance what discourages you and frustrates you with this notion of that that we have an enemy that yeah. is beyond what we can see that is working behind the the scenes to try to like derail the advancement of God's kingdom. And so the things that oftentimes trip me up, I, I, I try not to personalize with the individual and to see, wow, this is, this is a matter of warfare that's going on here. It's good. Um, but you know, like anytime you see people, uh, make promises or mm. proclaim like I'm going to I'm going to do this or go in this direction and then they kind of fall back like that's 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 discouraging or or people that that don't just fall back but they just like fall away yeah you know like uh, I I like to believe I'm an optimist and see things half full I, I being around you I know I'm not um can be I yeah. can be but like yeah. I'm probably I'm just probably put myself more in like realism and, and so I can go either way. Sometimes a glass empty, glass full. And the more I see people struggle in their faith or be disinterested in it or experience rejection from people um, because just, they, they see that the church isn't pertinent to them, um, it's no longer something that's a good thing for society, like those things quickly can like begin to like drain me because I yeah. get in my head, because I have my own set of doubts or frustrations or I look at things sure. just across history and see, man, the church, it hasn't been a really a great agent for good, you know? And, and so those things can get the best of me when, when Christians, um, at least in my estimation, seem to blaringly ignore scripture for the sake of like justifying actions. That is so frustrating. Hmm. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, I mentioned yesterday, I joked around about like, 
um, in the corporate world, like that there are financial incentives if you hit certain performance enhancement marks. Um, I don't need that. <laughs> but at times I get discouraged because I wish I could have that. Hmm. And that's not because it's like I think that I should get paid more for what I do in ministry. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that a part of the way I'm wired is to try to say, what's the next hill to climb? And kind of this entrepreneurial spirit that I have. And, and sometimes I get to see that there are people that are like, rewarded in that and i think living in southern california you're like oh that'd be nice to have a little extra income and i'm just coming off of renting my house out on airbnb for a week so i'm a little i mean like you make extra money that way but like i yeah. I'd much rather just like somehow lumped it into like what i do um so those are those are things like that where like if i let my mind look at as the scriptures say how the the the, the wicked prosper and i'm not calling those people wicked but like no. that notion of like envying the life of sinners sometimes as I see others seemingly living however they want and not necessarily living with regret, but yet sometimes we tout this, this, this story of like, oh, you're, you're living this life, I'm sure, but it's not fulfilling, right? And, and their life is like, no, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I've never seen someone unfulfilled on a jet ski. Just yeah, saying. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're living their best life or eating sushi on the beach, you know, whatever. I mean, and like, those are things in ministry that I think that the 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 enemy can quickly um, try to discourage you and seduce you. Yeah, that's good. And I think the aspect of seduction is probably the place that I have to fight the most in ministry to not be seduced to pursuing things that um, that I know in the end are not fully life giving. But they just seem like a, a, an escape at times, just like anybody else has their things that they want to escape to um, when they feel down or discouraged. Yeah. Or, or does what, it, what does what you know? Like you put all this effort in his sermons, and and then the thing that someone comes and says to you is like, I, I didn't like that point. And you're like, I spent like 15, 18 hours this week. How much time did you spend, bro? Yeah. <laughs> or I don't remember anything you said, but that story was really funny. And you're like, Sweet. You know, like. And doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I, I prayed yesterday in our kind of pre-service prayer. Like, I, I have to remind myself, too, there's something about God's faithfulness, consistency, I remember that steadiness, prayer. and just, like, thriving in the mundane. Like, we, we expect God to raise and set the sun every single day. Yeah, We expect God to be there to hear our prayers. We expect God to, like, bring the rain when it's needed. We expect God to, like, you know, all these things... And those are, if if I was God and I've been around for forever, I'd be like, I'm, yeah, that's kind of boring. I've been doing that for a while now. But praise God that he doesn't get bored in the mundane and the mediocre. He stays faithful. Yeah. And so I think that's where I'm at now after being in ministry for 23 years, where it's like, I know how to do this. I'm not saying arrogantly, but I mean, this is my first sure. rodeo. Like you can, but it's, it's steady plotting forward planting seeds, watering seeds, and seeing over time growth. Now over 10 years to be able yeah. to look and say, it's crazy driving on the freeways and seeing a little Rise City stickers. It's crazy being at different places and people are like, hey, pastor. Because when we first moved out here, there was no such thing as stickers and I was, a no, I was like an ice cream man at best yeah. to people, you know? There's no Rise City, your neighbor. No, and now to have people that are like, you know, I had someone that's coming up here from Chula Vista and we had someone that comes up here from Tijuana and we have people that are traveling from North County and it's like, yeah. Those are things like God is slowly over time working and expanding, not necessarily because it's the sake of Rise City, but just like steadiness and faithfulness that have um, 
I think resulted in what's what's actually best. And I have to remind myself of that. That's good. Because you can yeah. get bored, you can get discouraged, you can get seduced that maybe something would be easier or better or more more fun with less opinions of others. Um, I just answered that question for about probably seven minutes. I, there's a lot of things evidently that are inside of me that it's good. <laughs> oh that's what gosh. that's why we dig deeper oh, on the man. digging deeper podcast. People are like, wow, like no, I but I think that that's really capturing what Paul is communicating in First Thessalonians. Yeah, because Paul is just gotten i mean he got drove out of thessalonica right yeah and he was just like proclaiming a risen savior like he that's didn't, it he wasn't doing anything wrong yeah and then people got ticked and man it caused social uproar and and they said he drove him out he had he had wild success for like three weeks right like yeah. he was he was sitting there and he was proclaiming the risen savior is proclaiming jesus a savior yeah and all of a sudden jewish leaders were getting upset as well as they started to rile up the local officials and everything and so he he's he kind of is like, man, I wonder what happened to all those people that got saved, though. Because it says in Acts 17, it tells us a story. It tells us about how literally like Paul experiences all these Jewish people that convert and become Christians and say, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah, as well as a bunch of Gentiles, people that are just part of the community there yeah. in Thessalonica. And, and so he knows that there's this church that's built there, but he had to leave so quickly. And so he's like, man, what's going on with them? And he finds out that there's all this really good stuff and it fills his cup in that way. Hmm. And so I think that's what you really kind of did a great job portraying yesterday too, of this idea yeah, of like... There's there's a lot of things that you have to keep seeing that that God is still working in the midst of the chaos and yes. bringing beauty from frustration and all these things. And, mm -hmm. and when you start going back and kind of following the trail of breadcrumbs and seeing just how many things God has done... Yes. It's like, oh yeah, like I, I, it's that eternal perspective thing, and like seeing the bigger picture. Um, you know, something that comes to mind, and and I, and I'm sharing this probably in defense of of you, of of Pete, of Mariah, of of you know, John, Ben, like our pastoral staff here, uh, Stephanie. I think sometimes it can be difficult and draining. And and I'll be interested. Maybe you've experienced this or not. Maybe this is more of a lead pastor situation, but there is such a high levels of expectations of what I'm supposed to do. Oh yeah, everyone has and an opinion. It has an opinion, but also I'm supposed to evidently be an expert of like a plethora of fields of study. Like I should be the top child psychologist, family therapist, theologian, financial manager. Yeah. Right. Like. Um, leadership development, like, and all of these things, hospice, <laughs> grief, funerals, marriages. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. and in each one of these is like, you don't know that? Like, mm. you, you don't know that? Like, you, sh you should know that. Like, and, and, and so you're trying to like be great in all those spheres, but you can only be great in so many spheres, right? Cause you only have so much time. Yeah. And then you're supposed to have like this sermon that's supposed to wow people because honestly, people want to be both touched and inspired, but let's let's call it what it is at times entertained. But if I work fifteen to twenty hours on this sermon and I miss coming to the hospital to visit your grandmother, yeah. or at some point I wasn't there for your son when he made a decision of maybe choosing to transition, I mean, like all of these things come at you, and you're just like, I can't. How do you juggle I it? I can't do all of this. Yeah. And and I think that notion of that you're going to disappoint people is crippling. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of being disappointment. I can agree. And so you have to say, okay, but 
the people I have invested in, the people I can do what I can do, the best I can do it for, are they are they exhibiting this this work produced by faith, right? This labor prompted by love and this endurance inspired by hope. Yeah. You know, and and if I can if I can grab some of those stories mm-hmm. and remember those, it's like Lord, you'll fill in the gaps, right? You'll fill in the gaps. And and what's incredible is that some of those stories, a lot of those stories are people that are now going to the hospital that are absolutely that are, are there for that son that is trying to make a decision on whether or not he wants to yeah. transition to a different gender. He's struggling with some kind of identity issues. Yeah. Like these, like the body of Christ, like the different people within it as they wake up to Jesus, right? It's our mission mm-hmm. statement. Now they start to rise to life and then they start to shine into other people's lives in a big way. And it looks like those three things that you mentioned, right? It's that, yeah. that work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, endurance inspired by hope. And so I wanted to kind of actually talk about those three things because you did a good job breaking those down. And so that first one, the work produced by faith, excuse me, uh-oh. Um, you, you spoke on the, the kind of the distraction of idols okay. um, during that, but in, in someone's typical day, like they're nine to five, what they're doing for work, or maybe if they're a stay-at-home mom, what does it look like to actually be someone who would live a life where you're working and it's, and it's a work that's produced by faith? Like, what does that look like practically? I know you give a lot of examples as far as what you've seen transformation yeah. happen, but what does that look like on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute, very practical level for someone who's listening right now? I think it's trying to enter into or ask God or invite God into having this ability to have a, a God consciousness throughout your day. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, I don't remember which monk it was, but there was a monk one time that, that was quoted talking about that you can drink orange juice to the glory of God. Yes. And, yeah. um, and so like in everything that you do, and I think it's Colossians 3.17 that says, and everything that you do, do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. Um, like, how can you say, Lord, does this please you? Mm-hmm. And, and, and do whatever you need to do in a way that's pleasing to him. Lord, am I seeing you in this and giving thanks to you for this? That's good. Right? Like, yeah. I, I might be in this job that like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just sorting papers. But, but God, thank you that, that you sort through the details of my life. And God, thank you that, that, um, that you have given me this opportunity to step into something that seems mundane, but you you work miracles through the mundane. Like, I think there are things that I try to do throughout my day, and I think that the the goal is is work produced by faith. Is just trying to have a God consciousness at all times, whether it's like I said, seeing Him and what He's doing, asking Him to Absolutely. move, keeping yourself prepared, perhaps for like you just never know when you may. The scriptures say encounter angels. You never know when you need to be ready to give an account for the hope that you profess. So. So work produced by faith, I, I love that word occupation, it was like, because mm-hmm. it's like in everything that you do, whether it be in your parenting, whether it be in your, your business or as you're going to work or whatever in your commute, there is a way that you can focus on the Lord and just meditate on that. And I think that that is loyalty. Yeah. Right? Like, um, and so I think that it takes time. Like I always remember seeing the, the verse that Paul had talking about pray without ceasing. And I was like, that's, what, the, what, what? That's stupid. <laughs> like, how do you do that? Yeah. But I think that's what he's meaning. He's not, I don't think he means like go lock yourself in some room and pray 24 hours a day. I mean, maybe occasionally, but like, but are you looking for and thinking about and seeing God in everything? Yeah. And that takes like an invitation from you to the Lord saying, God, help me see. And it takes some time also as a discipline to keep saying like, 
Am I being loyal to you in this? Am so I being good. loyal to you in this? Am I being? It's like it's yeah. it's what is that? Those bracelets a long time ago. WWJ. Yeah. What would Jesus do? I mean, I didn't become a fad, but like the sentiment of it is so legit. They keep your mind focused on yeah. what Jesus wants and what yeah. Jesus is doing, yeah. and what Jesus would do in your situation. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I think that's so important because you and I can be a pastor here, but we can't be a pastor at whoever's listening's workplace yeah. or home and things like that too. And, and, you know, and you kind of mentioned like, I feel like I have to be a financial advisor and all these different things. I think we need more people that are willing to be a pastor of the bank that they work at. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and be an evangelist in the neighborhood that they're raising their kids in. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can keep going down the list, but that's, that's a powerful notion when church doesn't happen in a building, but church is what the people of God are in their daily occupations. Yeah as they're going and as they're, they're moving throughout their lives, they're shining to others in significant ways. And it might be simple ways too. Sure. So. I think that's why, you know, I mentioned, I joked around yesterday, like oh, I'm trying to like, keep myself focused now because I got a, a little league game to go to because my yeah. son was playing or whatever. And, you know, for me, the, little league is one of those spheres that yes. it's like, I'm really not pastor Brandon there. Like I'm coach or dad. And, and to me, it's probably the most realistic connection I feel like I have to, to people's everyday lives yeah. that aren't pastors. But I think in that sphere, I still want to have work produced by faith. I'm not trying to like, at the end of every practice, be like, can I share the gospel with you? I'm just trying to continually cultivate a relationship, be friends, be a positive encouragement. And also when there are moments when I see hurt or pain or perhaps yeah. character that's like lagging, right? And in, in, in perhaps one of the kids or something like that. Those are moments like, okay, God, this is now I'm going to be pastor. Like not pastor Brandon because I'm right city, but just like what you're saying, like mm-hmm. now, now you, I'm a pastor. Like you're like, yes. so, so when one of the guys I coached with is, they had two deaths in their family throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And after the second one, I was like, I just, can I pray with you? That's the first time I got to, I mean, and we prayed right on a baseball field and he doesn't go to church. Yeah. Um, baptized the husband of my other son's coach. and uh, But I've been in that environment now for three years. Mm-hmm. Three years. Wow. So some of you that are listening out there, you may be in the workplace for three years, five years, 10 years, but like you are still planting seeds. You are still watering. You are still being used by God. And at the moment that... that, that Hmm. man, someone's going to have a question or someone's going to have a hurt or someone's going to need you. Like, if you're faithful and, and your work is produced by faith in those moments leading up to that, you're going to be invited to step in that moment and just say, here's the Jesus that I've been representing the whole time and I know that he loves you like crazy and let me just share with you about him. You know, you mentioned prayer, you mentioned evangelism and you describe them less like activities and more like just positions. Like you take on the prayer, the position of prayer because you're kind of having a God consciousness. And then you take on the position of evangelism because you're just kind of representing Jesus and you're there for the moment, but it's not this activity of something that you like have to like wake up in the morning and be like, okay, I have to go through these steps and things like that. It's, it's a position that you've placed yourself in with a notion that God is with you and in you. And so you're going to shine to others in that way. So it's such yeah. a powerful thing. Yeah, and, and people are wired differently. Um, yeah. I'm not, that, that is not by any means to say that like when, when there are people that feel like I need to go out and share the gospel or give out tracts today or sure. that there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think for me, because I'm wired pretty strong in the relationship category, I love being around people. 
for me to just share the gospel with someone that I don't know arbitrarily and say, can I share you this? And then perhaps God would be so gracious to let me lead them to Jesus. And then I don't get to see him again. Yeah. I'm like, I just feel like that. I mean, I was used by God in that moment, but I guess I feel more the, uh, the prompting to lean in more like, can I somehow share the gospel with people that I'm going to still be in their life and help them walk and in this? Them. Yeah. Yeah. So develop that. Uh, but that, that's just when I'm wired. Other people are like, just, man, they can share the gospel. People respond and boom, and their life got changed. And the guy, I mean, that's Paul. I mean, Paul kept planting and going on to other places, you know, like. And then he rejoiced yeah. about the people yep. who had labor prompted by love. So they yep. were, they were, I mean, that speaks to investment in other people's lives, yep. right? And so he's rejoicing, even though he is Paul, where he kind mm-hmm. of goes, he shares the gospel, plants a church, and then leaves to the next city and yeah. keeps going. He still was rejoicing about the people that were like, man, you have been investing in other people's lives and building relationships and growing together. Yeah. Now, my question is, and I know this is something you're passionate about. We are in a day and age in our culture, but it's not just social issues. It's also, I think, just what's happening, how things have kind of modernized as well. We now have cars, so we aren't living close by each other. We, we kind of might have our best friends that live in different states or different countries or even just a, a different part of town. It's far away. Um, I mean, everything is, seems so compartmentalized in our culture right now. You know, I, even people that I know really well, I don't know necessarily who they are at work. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, right? Yeah. Like my brother-in-law, I know him really well and, and, and I think the world of him but I've actually never seen him at work, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I expect that he's the same honorable kind of guy, but I don't know, because so many things are compartmentalized. How do you continue to invest in every second of someone's life? Maybe not every second. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's like hyperbole. With, that's okay? like pray without ceasing. Yes, like, yeah. Ah, okay. How do you invest at a significant level? Like the way that we kind of, kind of almost read between the lines of what was happening in Thessalonica in this, this early believing community. How do you invest in that kind of, way in the current cultural atmosphere that we're in right now? Well, I think you take a page from Jesus' playbook. I, I think you invest in a few. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you you just can't... I, there's a scripture that says, be all things to all people, but it's not meaning like being the lives of all people. <laughs> it's just saying like, as you're around people, can you can you step into their world mm-hmm. and, and try to like understand where they're coming from and then help them see Jesus in that? But like, you've got to pick a few right, that you're really going to invest in. And that means you're going to have to say no to others, perhaps. Um, Or you also take a team approach, which is another page from Jesus's playbook, right? Like, where I can't invest fully in this person, but maybe I can, I can invest a little um, that I can still also, though, have others that I encourage, can you follow up with that person? Or that's Paul sending Timothy back to Thessalonica and him saying, hey, I'm just really concerned about them. Well, if you're so concerned, Paul, why didn't you go yourself? Because, because he's like, because that's, I, I got to keep being where I'm at here, mm-hmm. but will you express my love to them and will you go on my behalf? And then Timothy comes back. And so like, there's a team approach and there's also a, a, a limitation approach of saying, I'm going to do the best I can with the few that I can. And I'm also going to try to empower others to reach others around me that I don't have as much capacity for. Yeah. Now there's an everyday life portion of that too, yeah. you know, that, um, that was probably a little bit easier for them to kind of invest in each other in that way in their culture and also their level of society and modernity and things like that. How do you navigate today? Like what are things that you can do to be intentional to not just invest by like, cause when I think of investing with someone, it might mean going to lunch with them or getting a cup of coffee 
once a week, maybe even that's, that seems like a big investment. Right. But that's still like, how much can that really affect in the day to day? How can you be really intentional even with a few to be really influential, but also be influenced by others in that day to day moment by moment type of way? Yeah, it's hard. I I mean, I think those are, those are some ways in which there are ways in which you can leverage technology. I mean, I think that I think texting people, just check in, hey, how are you doing? And and limiting how many people you're doing that with. But like I can send two or three texts a day to people that I want to like really try to invest in and just ask how they're doing. How can I pray for your day? I, I'm not gonna do that to my entire contact list, you know? But I think that you can you can do that, which starts conversations. Um, you know, I, I think you can you might not have to meet with them in person. Like even if they're yeah. on the other part of town, like, hey, let's jump on Zoom for a little bit and let's like I just think that we also have to realize that like as the culture back then shaped people likely to probably be more prominent in one another's lives just because they had lack, less things to do or be engaged in. And they had to be close by. They, and they were, Yeah, like yeah. the same way people are conditioned in our culture to not be engaged in people's lives and be in closer proximity. So if you, if you go too much, people are be like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're freaking me out. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. You're trying to get me to move in with you now? Yeah, <laughs> so like sometimes when I try to like take something of the past and inject it into the future, the future is not the past. So mm. I can take the principle, but I don't have to take the actual full-on practice of how they did it, if that makes sense. And yeah. so so I think that like, how many people do you really engage with on a weekly basis? Like if you, so like you even met with someone or text someone once a week, to some people that's like, that's a lot. Like I go like six, eight, 10 weeks, you know, and I don't, but so, so realize also just your own current context and, and, and how do you That's work big. into that? Because because the people are already conditioned uh, of what they think and what they feel it means to to have connection, relationship, and investment. And I don't think it's at the level it was back then, just because we're so scattered and and have so many more options than the Middle Eastern culture two thousand years ago. But what you just said is huge. Like considering your current context, I know that you meant it in one way, but it's also important to consider your current context as far as who is already in your life all around you all the time. Yeah. You know, I think that we compartmentalize investing in others. So we, we think of it as, Oh, I'm going to intentionally get coffee with that person once a week. And and that's fantastic. I would never discourage that. Please do that. Please do that. Please mentor one another in that way. Um, I want to encourage you to do that. But also I think that there's an opportunity to consider and then actually seize the opportunity to look around you at who is, at your workplace all the time, you know, or that you're like, you literally see them every day for eight hours a day that you're working with them or like, you know, who's living next door to you or in the neighborhood that you see every day as your kids are playing together and things like that. Who is coaching the little league team with you? Find ways in your current context to really find people that maybe God has placed you for such a Mm -hmm. time as this in their life, or maybe place them for such a time as this in your life so that you can actually understand and actually take advantage of the opportunity that God's put right in front of you in the first place. Yeah, it's really good. It's huge. It's so good. The last one, endurance inspired by hope. This is the kind of the the keep going, um, mission-minded, eternal perspective, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I guess my big question is, is that in the middle of our culture right now, where do you think we most need to be inspired by hope? Where, what, what in our culture is making Christians want to quit the most that you've made observation of? I know, that's a big question to close us out. 
I think that the state of our country and the division we feel and the hope that most people put in the political arena mm. deep down inside scares the crap out of people because we, we can deeply sense that we're probably putting our trust in either systems or people that have perpetually over time, even if they've given their best, they haven't, they, they've, they've fallen short, right? But yet that is the only system we really feel like we have here. And now that the United States feels like it's pretty broken, fragmented, financially a little sketchy, you know, like all these things. Like, mm -hmm. I think people are just like, oh my gosh, like there was a long time where I could have great assurance just even being an, an American living here. But now it feels like this is pretty divided. And so I think, I think that creates an incredible opportunity for all Christians to also know that there's a vacuum of confidence that's out there. Right? There is a vacuum of confidence that's out there, which is a complete open door then for the, the assurance and confidence we have in Christ and the hope oh, of man. eternity. Like so so we can wave our flags and and tout our our political opinions and the politicians we want to become president. And and there is some hope in that. And there could be some temporary relief in that. But when you are facing a vacuum of confidence, and we've seen that the most prosperous nation on the in the country, most powerful, is like all of a sudden on the precipice of like, it's a little shaky right now. Hmm. We know that we have a, a kingdom that the Hebrew says is Amen. unshakable. Yeah. And and will not end, but will continue on forever. Woo. Better step into that. Now you're thinking like Paul, man. Because Paul went to Thessalonica that had all the social pressures, all the social resistance. The culture was not inviting to yeah. him and the gospel. And yet, like we talked about, in three weeks' time, he had some insane success. When I say success, I mean like a lot of people found hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's like, this is, you're, you're kind of taking on the, the mind of Paul, who was taking on the mind of Christ, I think, in this sense, because you're looking at the opportunity there and say, yeah, things are fragmented and divided, but there is a vacuum. I love that. You said a vacuum of confidence. Is that what you said? Yeah. A vacuum of confidence, which I think is true. I think we live in a more insecure time than ever. Mm -hmm. Everyone is dealing with insecurity, sure. right? Like, and and I mean, I think it's probably a human thing, but it's also like our culture perpetuating it because we see so many things to compare ourselves to right now. Yeah. It's all around us, and there's uncertainty in our very structure and systems. And so, there's a vacuum of confidence. That is such good news for the good news. those of us that would want to be <laughs> such good news workers the good news of the good in. news. Yeah. And yeah. so, man, I, I hope that you are encouraged and feel a little bit like a fire in your belly to, um, to maybe fill that vacuum and, and know that you carry a message. If you're listening to this, that, that is good news for people that are living in a time and culture where there seems to be a whole lot of bad news. So, yeah. And all it gets reported is the bad news. Yeah. So not only look for good news, bring good news, be good news and uh, yeah. change the narrative more towards good news because right now, all that sells is bad news. And I think that's where that vacuum sometimes comes into. So God is working. God is moving. He Amen. is on his throne. He has not given up. Um, he's still doing the same old things he was doing from the beginning. And he's also doing new things. But you just got to look to him to actually see him um, working in your life. And so, so good. Yeah, there's a lot going and on. And you can see it happening in all the stories and people that yep. you mentioned and so much more. So yeah, I hope that you can take inventory, spend some time just exercising gratitude, but then also get out there and fill the vacuum. I love that. So <laughs> to be a light in that way. Yeah. But I think, it's and, and I didn't mention you by name, Robert, but 
you are an incredibly special man that is on the oh. staff that shines Jesus really stinking bright. And um, you motivate me to keep doing what I'm doing. So Likewise. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. I appreciate you. Yeah. And you so, too, Jean. You yeah, too, Jean. Yeah. Jean's yeah. back there. Jean's back there. No. Well, with that <laughs> moment, we'll go ahead and close out. But seriously, thank you so much for just joining with us on uh, this journey as we dig deeper yep. <laughs> and, and really kind of give thanks to what God is doing. Yep. We'll see you next time. Chapter two next week. Yeah, yeah.